Hello and welcome to Register, the podcast about architecture and landscape from the Kingston School of Art in London. My name is Andrew Clancy. First up, uh, an apology. Uh, the sound quality on this interview isn't going to be amazing, so probably not great to listen to on the tube or that kind of thing. Basically, the reason is, is that it had to be recorded in a hotel lobby and the music there uh, just creeps into the background um, throughout. Uh, there's nothing we can really do about it. We felt it was worth uh, putting out anyway because obviously... Uh, Alvaro Cisa is a singular voice in our discipline and it's worth hearing what he has to say. In this case, Bruno Silvestro, who's working with Cisa on a house here in the UK, grabbed the time to sit with Alvaro during his most recent visit. Uh, Bruno Silvestro is himself a Portuguese architect. He's built a number of uh, social housing projects in Portugal and is our course leader here in the undergraduate uh, studies in architecture and is jointly year leader of first year with myself. When you're talking about somebody like Alvaro Siza, you're never going to do the work justice with your words. I mean, he's been a profound voice within our discipline since his first works appeared from Portugal while he was still working for and with Fernando Tavra. These projects were many things. They were deeply sensitive to sight and context and at the same time very humane and dignified in the, in the way that they considered how people would use them and move through them and occupy them. And then they were capable of um, amazing erudition and connections with the history of architecture without this being in your face or somehow distancing from the actual basic humanity of the work at hand. And although the work has gone through many phases since then, it's hard to say that these aspects have ever really left Caesar. There's also a rather profound spatial-minded work, one which has a highly uh, calibrated relationship with gravity, proportion and order, which it's hard to say anything about other than you know it when you see it. In this conversation, uh, Bruno and uh, Cesar speak about, well, the project that they're working on, but also Cesar's views on the uh, how he views his practice today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you very much. Good morning. First, I'd like to thank you and be having uh, a conversation after a couple of days of being in these beautiful landscapes of Surrey Hills. And I'd like to thank you for switching the language from Portuguese, which we've been speaking in the last couple of days, to English for this uh, half an hour conversation or so. So welcome. Uh, in the last couple of days, um, I would like to first ask, what is your impression and of the visits that we've done, the things that we've seen, the landscapes, and how does it feel to uh, be just about to start a project in England, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. The tradition about uh, the paisagism, landscape, landscape, landscape architecture, uh, in a point that was uh, extended to, to all the world. Uh, I remember that uh, even in France, where there was so strong tradition uh, culminated in, in Versailles and the other gardens in the same time, uh, the, the Queen wanted to make a, a corner 
very English in Versailles. And also in America, the great uh, landscape in America, America architects, comes from England directly. I don't remember completely the, the names, but there is one I remember always with capability brown mm -hmm. uh, that uh, America, American yes. landscapers owe much to the action, the knowledge. Huh? Homestead. Homestead, of course. Uh, so this is a very strong and uh, with much character coming also from the climate, the conditions of the climate. So it's a more informal garden uh, in opposition to the French geometric garden that has an origin in Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, so this tradition was maintained and uh, today, uh, at least in this area, architecture lost nothing. And in this area where we are, is fantastic, the, the ambience. Mm -hmm. We go through a road and we have always one than the other. Uh, extraordinary landscape, this uh, contrast between uh, Pashto, mm -hmm. the grazing fields, yeah, uh, yeah. and the, the, the massifs of, of tree uh, that are come to the ground, is real massifs, and a, a great variation uh, about the species which comes. And, and we were talking about yesterday that that is genuinely part of a British culture and is very heavily and intensely expressed in the way that individuals, that people in their houses, mm. that they protect their houses from the street view through using vegetation almost as an architectural element. Uh, and it has to see to something I imagine in England exists is the need of intimacy. Uh, so when a house has always these components of family life, intimacy and social life. And the, 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 the garden is adapted to these uh, different uses of a house. So when you go in a road uh, you rarely see the houses. There are this interior of the, each unit. Yes, we saw that yesterday when we were going to visit uh, the site where you're doing a project. And I want to uh, continue just on that question of the house. And uh, last week or two weeks ago, you were giving a lecture at the Lincoln Center and having a conversation about building a tower in Manhattan. In the last couple of days, you've been telling me about your experiences of building museums in China and universities in several points of the world, and here you are to design a house. So what does it mean for you in the scale and in the landscape of work of your office yeah. to have a house which you talk about with the same level 
of enthusiasm, if not more, than you talk about a tower in Manhattan. What what does that what does what is the role of the house? I, I, I always had the, the intention not to interrupt the sequence of projects for houses uh, by a different reason. One reason uh, is that uh, when you build to a family, uh, you have always, or almost always, but. Uh, as an idea, always contact with the, the, the users. Uh, so we have to talk with the family, with father, mother, uh, many times the neighbors, the family. And so there, there is not a void that mm -hmm. sometimes can exist about the development of a project. You have dialogue and that uh, is the food for the project. So it, it uh, avoids anyone become obsessed by his own ideas. You are there is a renovation because the users, the promoters, have different ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it is in different cultures, different countries, more uh, intensive is this uh, renewal, this new uh, perspectives to look architecture. Also, the house, uh, by the dimension, it's uh, more easy or more practical, immediate, uh, constructive items is a field also of uh, innovation, research, uh, and also continuity because the problem is the same, but we are in a different area, and uh, you have different builders, eventually, even if today, its time is more similar everywhere. So, uh, I, I like to maintain this. Another thing is that through the analysis of houses, we can almost make a history of architecture. That's correct, yes. The, the great moments, speaking of modernism, great moments of renewal, a part of them come from simple houses. And then you have very special ones which gave permission to go on in a new language as Pierre Savoie, the house of uh, Alto in Finland. The Villa Maria. Maria. Uh, Neuter House. The first houses of Nice. The famous first house later in America. So there is a history of evolution of architecture closely connected to this. I'd like to ask the same question to the younger Alvaro, and for the sake of clarity, I will address uh, the young Alvaro as Alvaro and the older Alvaro as Cesar. Um, you happen to be the project architect for the tower in Manhattan and the project architect for the house in England. So, from your perspective as a collaborator of Cesar in the office, um, how does is there an interchange between those projects? Uh, what is the dialogue between these 
two rather different experiences coming from Manhattan to Surrey Hills via Porto and getting on with a project with a completely different set of interests? Well, uh, I think many, many things connect the two projects, mostly the, the period in which they are ma being made, which is the same. And uh, the concerns sometimes are, are similar and the issues that we address I, I'm, I'm, I'm addressing more the technical issues because those are the, the things that most concern at this moment which is what is possible to make because the technology that you that is at disposal in America at this moment might arrive in a few moments to London and Portugal because there's no handwork so now we have a, a tower that has a new system of uh, assembling the stone and then we have the first concern was if we are making the house in brick will the technology be the same as 300 years ago which is the better the best or will we have lack of construction as we addressed yesterday how we're going to make the structure so these are the the concerns that technically today and which are in the end not technically are conceptual because they interfere in the way that you think am i going to be able to make a door like this like that we were addressing that the doors here have some that uh, that size is very peculiar and that this is the part where i address most of my my concerns but then there's a like a bubble of oxygen in which you can really um, uh, enrich yourself by being present in different cultures. Every time I go to New York is a different city. Uh, I have been two times in England. This is the third outside of London. Uh, I have, uh, uh, it's a very, very, very big contrast. So. The things are connected by different aspects, but the problems now convey to, to, to a common problem, you see? Like the environmental issues, the, the relations between countries and how are uh, the visas of traveling. So having the possibility to work in the, in the, in, in the whole of a house, as in, in New York, we are a very big team. There are two different experiences, which in the end enrich yourself if you are willing to. In terms of uh, you talking about the, Caesar was talking about the house as a project that um, prompts a sense of self-regeneration in the office. That is, is one of is a kind of project that you renovate, that you recycle, and what what I want to to also um, ask is um, in terms of your body of work in the last six years, should we say six years, you start at the age of 21 uh, how does these uh, more distant projects and more recent ones, how that legacy of your body of work contributes to a certain project in the present time, so um, 
Do you do you recurrently go back to the past and find things in projects you didn't resolve well and you want to revisit and you take present projects to revisit questions? Yes, many times for uh, practical reasons there is a problem that I solved in an old project and sometimes I, I go to that to make it easier more, more, more quick. But about the house and tower, there is a relation of complementary respect to the scale, uh, respect to the predominance uh, image in the town, predominant image and so. So we need, there is a need of this complementary. I believe that to make a good big building it's necessary to have made small buildings because in the town and the opposite because in town they are together they are in continuity usually and I, I, I felt I needed to have experience of a different thing and the, the, also the same importance in the town it's diff a different uh, private building and a public building so the the role in the town that projects in the expression of architecture so this complementary I find very important in terms of uh, what just what, what is that moment in that career when you felt that I need a bigger scale what was that project? after making small houses in the periphery and uh, two very small equipments and uh, I, uh, I knew, I felt that I needed other type of experience. And what was that project? By, by, by that reason, in the town they are together. Yes. Mm. And so what was the project that changed scale? Uh, scale it was the first, I think, museum scale and the, pub, the sense of public, yes, public building. Santiago Compostela Museum, which is not a very big building, but has this special role in the life of a town, uh, which must be reflected in the expression, either we want or not. Uh, and also, Big, big spaces, not uh, the private house. Uh, relation with a garden, then with public space, more intense. And that uh, was complementary to the experiences I had already. That's one of the very uh, special projects of the 1990s. Um, and particularly the project in Santiago, where there is a very strong historical context next to the monastery and and I think if, if I'm not wrong I think there were restrictions in terms of materials and the use of granite cladding um, in that project uh, new things happen in your body of work in terms of the construction in terms of the constructions and the tectonic resolution of the buildings in the, in the item of infrastructures 
you know, I, I had never, when I made it, I had never made a building with air condition. Uh, and uh, it's so influent, and it's time more the way you put the Services. air condition, invading all surfaces with grids or in a more subtle way, more coordinated way, total way. Uh, with the scale, the dimensions of building, with light match the needs uh, of uh, natural and also artificial light. So it was a very new. F uh, and uh, uh, that relation with the beautiful garden, the relation with the history, uh, the relation with a town with much character, medieval town. Uh, in sometimes contradiction ways, I remember that I wanted to make the revestment of Santiago and I had to desist or they would hang me. <laughs> but uh, the fact uh, to things I something in that moment. First, that Santiago was not a granite or granite town as it is now. It was a white town with some monuments in granite. But there was a moment everywhere also in Portugal where the idea was the beauty of granite, so take the, the stucco, the render to you everything in granite as it is in Santiago today. And there is also many advantages for maintenance. There is not the, to paint again, to remake the stucco and so and so. But change much uh, the town was lost in a way this contraposition between small scale the houses the semi family houses repetition and the monuments which makes poor the ambience of town i mean in that in that building uh, there is a concrete structure and then there is a steel structure and the building has this rain screen cladding in granite. Uh, but what I always found intriguing was the, and quite beautifully resolved, was the appearance of the steel structure, that you don't hide it away. So that Over the, the steel, the metal, the metal components of the building, mm -hmm. that at the entrance that wall is suspended on yeah, a yeah, metal yeah. beam with two metal supports. It's a false, but the architecture was always full of falsity. It's a part of the tools we have to make architecture. In fact, uh, that uh, wall hangs, and uh, there are two pieces in steel simulating the, this support, but. Uh, Really, were not necessary. Were not necessary. Uh, but speaking, if you give me permission, back to the materials. Uh, also, I thought to put marble outside because t 
Today, local material is not an obligation at all. In, in terms of economy, of money, costs and so on. Uh, that makes not, not so much sense to solve the, the look of the, the materials according to the local ones, because there is the interchange, commercial relations and so on. And exactly in Santiago, the interior marble, the interior uh, pavements that uh, exist in marble is Greek marble, uh, white marble, tassos, bought in Greece and prepared cut uh, in Greece, coming only to put in, in the site because it was more uh, less expensive, mm -hmm. was cheaper, and uh, as you know. Uh, Spain is full of marble, all types of marble. We went to, to the Greek because of money. Mm -hmm. It's different, this uh, um, dependence of what is near, materials that are near, because today there is... That, uh, the, the moment, going back to that moment of steel that you talk, that you mentioned as a falsity, that's been a false moment of construction because the wall is actually hanging reminds me of that moment in um, of James Sterling in um, Stuttgart where in the car park of the um, of the gallery there are a few stones that fall off the wall mm. and are just kind of laying on the grass to form an opening to the car park and and to me, when you mentioned falsity, for me also means a provocative sense of humor. Is that the building is made of granite, but is not a masonry building. There is something behind it. And so there is that honesty that what is false appears to the surface and becomes um, evident. And I found that provocative in that highly sensitive uh, context of a... As you know, there was... A a moment in architecture of liberation from the very strict codes for architecture uh, uh, made before and applied after the, the war mm, by Siam and mm -hmm. by protagonists of that uh, association of architects. Uh, that uh, we also uh, in, in reason of the urgence and the rapidity of reconstruction become a, a rigid uh, norm and uh, in a moment there was a need, psychological need, a little out of this restrictions in the language um, and the result of the reconstruction was in many, many ways disappointing. And so many architects became uh, using imagination to give a new sense to architecture uh, and appear this word irony which can be dangerous but uh, it is also uh, a result of, of a need 
psychological and, and then came postmodernism uh, in which sometimes is classified the world of the work of Sterling. Uh, but I don't agree totally with no. this. Because, I agree with you disagreeing. Uh, no moment was put in together, things completely different. And uh, uh, in the end, quality and lack of quality. So in that sense, I don't consider uh, Sterling a postmodern in this sense. Uh, but. Because, in fact, we all are postmodern. The same way that, that we is, are all that modern. That is not the image, the, the, the style. Also, we are all postmodern. So, there were evolutions very strong um, with motives. And, and in, in that period, and um, I'd like to go back to something that you mentioned uh, recurrently and there is one of the most famous quotations of your work is that architects do not invent anything, they transform reality. But, but, but there is a constant sense of invention and reinvention in your work. Um, you, 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 do, you do reinvent space, you do invent new things, there is invention in your work. When is that something I, that you challenge? When I say that I had in mind, um, how can I say? The history. Rom romantic idea of, of um, invention, of inspiration and so on. I think I mentioned this in the context of a text uh, where uh, I wrote, where I referred to that there is a dialogue between cultures, between protagonists and in architecture also. So what, what can be considered invention in fact, in, in a, some sense is an invention, uh, is a continuity with something that came from outside and not from inside, from divine inspiration. Uh, let's uh, consider, for instance, the modern art uh, in the beginning of 20th century and even before, a little before. How would have been modern art with African art? Japanese and Oriental art and so and so so many things that can be referred as inventions, innovation come simply or, or less simply by this uh, confrontation, this opening, uh, this end of con to consider the centers of culture four or five and the rest mm -hmm. nothing. When comes this new uh, um, impulse to generalize to art in all the world, uh, then things change much, and for that we call invention. It's not an invention coming from inside only, it's something that comes outside strongly. 
I wanted to ask a similar question to the to to Oliver, who you have been working with Caesar for twelve years now, ten, ten, fifteen, fifteen years. Uh, that's a career. Um, and how do you perceive as a collaborator in the office? You know what Caesar is saying is that invention comes from your experience of the world. So you you experience things, you travel, you look at books, you you visit buildings, and all of that is absorbed in your uh, conception and thinking of architecture. But as a as a operational collaborator who makes projects happen in the office, uh, how do you see? How is your experience from? this journey of 15 years from one project to the other to the next one how do you see the the kind of the evolution um, in the work of season well it's it's hard it's uh, it's hard to to resume anything the uh, and to to an answer is the my my first perception the I would uh, I would initiate by saying that the f- main issue that we are all able to do there is to have time to think. And this is fantastic because you can put in question many of present solutions, refish old solutions, adapt maybe or uh, some sometimes Uh, uh, make new solutions. How many projects are you working on at the moment? Oh, 10, 15, 20? I have to count make a list <laughs> because no, suddenly we can't project. No, no, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> let me. Interrupt the gravation because. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, but whilst you do that list, I'm just curious of how many uh, how uh, many projects can uh, you uh, give me the the sketch the, the, the sketchbook that, that is in the mail in the levels. And going back to our conversation in, in our dinner last night, yeah. that you mentioned that. Um, Portuguese architecture should be very thankful of uh, the role played by people like Kenneth Frampton in the 1980s that brought the architecture from the margins towards the center of the discussion. Um, and I always had a question about that uh, critical originalism in relation to your work in Portuguese architecture in general. Um, is that, you know, it comes as a reaction to postmodernism and a, a kind of partly a response to postmodernism. But also, at that precise moment in Portugal, a young democracy of a very old country, um, the architects wanted to be modern rather than regional. Is, is that correct? Yes, but much before... Of that revolution, uh, there was a, uh, in that regime many restrictions for everything, also for architecture. There was the idea or the wish of a national style for mm-hmm. the regime, and uh, 
uh, when uh, was made, was improved by regime a study about vernacular architecture, a book that was published in 1956, it happened the opposite. So a group of teachers and students of the two schools, at that time there were also only Lisbon and Porto, with a bad relation. Uh, Lisbon was uh, too near power and uh, Porto was for what England they in segregated in the north. north. They're in the north. And came a director from Lisbon, not accepted in Lisbon, that came to Porto. Fan fantastic person that probably you, you didn't know Carlos Ramos. No, I didn't meet him. And he organized a new team of professors because then every, every, almost all of them were old, retiring, and they organized a new team with uh, young people, and some of those people were already known, even very young, even very young, known for the, this uh, wish of conquest of modernity. Uh, to give an example, Tabora was a member of Siam already when he was called very, very young. Uh, and the others, uh, the team that changed completely the school. Uh, and with uh, the end of the war and the fall of fascism and nazism, the regime was obliged to open a little, not much, but a little. Uh, were missing the supports, hmm? the European supports. Uh, and so, this conquest of uh, to be contemporary to the others uh, began before the, the began before but found really the opportunity, the field after the revolution. To give you an example, I first time I worked uh, in the center of town was for the programs after this, some of the programs, mm -hmm. some, and also for social housing, and also the theme of uh, relation with the users, uh, participation, which was the theme, they're very, uh, opportunity in Europe, in France, in Italy. So, so there was an approach uh, to Europe, an ambience for Portugal, an architecture too. But from them, we, we, we have been speaking before of these contacts and then the revolution in modern modernism coming from the contact with Africa, Asia, and so on and so on, South America. Uh, and Frampton was one of most uh, active in bringing to knowledge what was considered the periphery. So not only Portugal, uh, he wrote and published 
about architecture in Portugal, about uh, uh, this inquest to regional architecture that made a big diffusion of this. But also many other countries, even the North Europe. I remember a fantastic book he wrote about uh, North neoclassicism uh, and uh, Asia and South America. So if went through the world and brought to the known uh, atmosphere, non-recognized, known, what was lost mm -hmm. and what became so uh, important in the evolution of architecture. Then he called it, is understandable, regi uh, critical regionalism which the word critic is related exactly with this. Uh, he is not a regionalist at all. He's a cosmopolite. He's the opposite. Yes. Uh, but uh, regionalism had become a modi word. Oh, how do you say in English? Maldito. Damned. Damned. Yes. Yes, and then and wanted, or yeah, that was taken by another rank of another tendency which was going on in Europe uh, with um, very strong influence in America from America, uh, and uh, was creating a shock of ideas which I, I really don't don't consider. Uh, important because the, there is not a shock, a different approaches to something that was changing quickly, as politically everything was changing. Uh, in, in terms of the good and the bad, which means nothing. Yes. The, what there was a strong debate, and for that debate. Uh, Frampton brought many things that were ignored. That's been 40 minutes. Um, I, think, uh, I think we need, we need to go to the airport uh, because this conversation happens in the context of a project in England. Let's commit ourselves to this being episode one of two and we'll continue the conversation when you come back. Okay, we'll do. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Register and thanks again to Bruno and to and of course to both Alvaro's for their time. Uh, before signing off, I'd also like to thank you guys uh, for listening and for uh, chipping in with your comments and all of that. And to thank uh, Laura Evans, Matt Wells and Matt Phillips for their help on various parts of Register. Do join us next time. Thank you very much. Bye.